the Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Mm -hmm. Join us in the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com backslash Bones and Bobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will earn you our very eternal gratitude and (laughs) entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group. You get all the behind the scenes and weirdness that I find in the middle of the night when I have insomnia. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And we basically chatter in there on and off all day. And yep. it's fun. And it, it is. Vaguely creepy and also just sometimes interesting. Yep. And no drama. No. <sighs> I mean, to be fair, there probably aren't enough of us for there to be big drama. True, true. Well, I guess, given that we're adults. Yes. Although, you yeah. never know. That, that I, I just remembered the entire past election cycle. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. We, uh, we are do- a delightfully drama-free space. Yes, we are. Yes, we Indeed. are. Indeed. In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. So, uh, hello, Morbid Makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, marvelously misanthropic hosts. And this is Bones and Bobbins, Season 2, Episode 20, Living Nightmares. It's true. I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the Very Serious Crafts Podcast, and I use she and her. And I'm Natalie from Uber Dark Designs, an official true crime, true crime creative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And my mm-hmm. pronouns are she, her. <laughs> so, I've been up since 547 this morning. That's exactly that's so early. 547. Ooh, there's always, because, <laughs> when you know yeah. the exact time, it's never good. <laughs> that is the time that presumably my landlord decided to take a sawzall to a pipe that was connected to the heating system throughout the entire apartment building, and I guess he cut through something and it screeched you know the really high pitched pipe cutting sound and woke the entire building up and then like he was pounding around on things like those pipes go from the basement up to the top floor because we have steam heating like oh why would you fuck with that 
I, well, I did not time. ask him, although I did Ooh. send him a relatively strongly worded text. <laughs> um, and then the sound didn't happen again, which is why I assume he was down there. But, like, first of all, 5.47 in the morning? No. Uh-uh. For that racket? Nope. Like, did you think it wasn't going to be loud? I, I don't understand. Like, there are certain things you could do that would be fine. I mean, still not legal because you actually aren't allowed to work on commercial properties until, right. I think, seven. But, like, I just... And it's September. Yeah. So it's not like it's, you know, in the dead of winter and the whole building's out of heat and... I don't think it had anything to do with the heating system. I think he's just doing something with the boilers. I mean, our whole building's sort of interconnected nonsense. But, I mean, maybe he was working on the radiators. It's a whole lot of no. Yeah. Anyway. So I'm really tired, and I have been cranky since 547 this morning. Yeah, that's a hell of a way to wake up. I did not, however, go downstairs in my bathrobe and bunny slippers with my <laughs> sleep mask on my head, although I considered it. That would have been adorable. I mean, very, 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 very intimidating. That's what yeah. I meant. Well, <laughs> <You know. laughs> that that is precisely the reason I didn't do it. Because me in a bathrobe is not... A terribly intimidating sight, <laughs> I have to say. Nope. Those don't come in petite, so I definitely look like I am wearing <laughs> your mom's my mom's robe, Aww. and I'm seven. Nice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, how are you? Um, in true Natalie fashion of, <laughs> <laughs> of what the fuckery. I have Lyme disease. That's, Lyme disease. It's a new one. Um, also, 10 out of 10 do not recommend. Like, no. it is not fun. Um, and then in addition to that, I got this lovely head cold, which I'm sure you can hear from uh, from my youngest. So I am just, I'm a You're doing walking, amazing. I am, I am rocking at life. Um I am on the weirdest antibiotic with a giant list of instructions and I have to time everything and it's and anything that like so it's bad enough to tell someone from Wisconsin they have to limit their dairy. You can't have any kind of dairy two hours before or two hours after. I haven't had dairy in almost 20 years. I just, and my heart hurts for you. My yeah, mine does too, actually. Um... Especially because it's that time of year where we, and I know how fucking pretentious it sounds, but Uh-oh. we were, we were, we were in the Milwaukee area. So of course we hit up the Trader Joe's oh, and yeah. it's, it's the time of year where they have these pumpkin cranberry crackers that taste really good. With I know their exactly tri- what you're talking about. There's a Trader Joe's cream. right down the street from me. Oh, yes. With their triple cream brie. And Ooh. I know that sounds so fucking uppity. But all together, like the wedge of cheese and the crackers. I mean, crackers, it's from Trader Joe's. It's that only like, negates the uppity. 
it's only like five and a half bucks. I mean, and it feeds the three of us, you know. But uh, so like, yeah. there's a grocery store in my neighborhood where that would cost like fifty dollars. Right, 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 right. But and yeah, have Trader a really interesting it. name. Yeah, that this stuff. So we're not that. Bougie. That sounds delicious, though. It was really good. Too bad yeah. you're sick. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I am, you know, walking. Um, head cold. Words are weird. I tried to say ice cubes and it came out cucumbers the other day. My children are like, really? And I was like, look, my brain, I just keep going, I have the Lyme disease. Because it does affect your thinking and just weirdness. It's never... Yeah, there's a lot going on with Lyme disease that I don't think I realized Yeah, was... I mean, I... I kind of knew, but I don't think I really knew until I talked to you about it. Same, though. Like, I had to Google stuff. Like, I laughed. I laughed when the doctor said it. I'm like, you're kidding, right? And she's like, no, no, it all makes sense now. And I was like, okay. Um, and well, I can laugh about it. it's not COVID? Right, exactly. Like, I'm, I no longer feel like I'm dying because uh, there, was, there was a good 24 hours in there where it was not fun at all um and it was probably the sickest i've ever been um but that sucks but yeah i'm I'm alive and kicking i have antibiotics i have stuff for the cold in my head and uh and my new glasses came in it's true and they are cute thank you these are the heart ones and then i have Mm -hmm. the little ones that are kind of witchy-ish they have like the little like the ends of them kind of remind me of like dragon wings or bowing so yeah, I'll have to try those on too. So, yes, I am. I am quite pleased as I got to participate in the picking out, you and now I get to see them on did. your cute face. Thank I like you. it. So yes, you helped me because I get overwhelmed and my brain overthinks, and then I panic, and that's why we exist. Yep. That. That is. The beautiful thing about good friends when you can. Just send them, like, three photos and be like, which one? Yep, exactly. Without context. Yep. Just tell yep. me. <laughs> I don't really care what you choose. I just need to pick one. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, I will be fine. I know ultimately I'll be okay with any of these. But yes. my brain can't but parse it down. Those so. are super cute, though. They're Thank you. For those of you who are not me. Um, <laughs> actually, our glasses have the same color right they now. They are. Um. But Natalie has heart-shaped lens glasses that are red, and I love them. Thank you. They make me happy. I'm pretty excited about them. So, so yeah, we're going to make some fire cider this weekend because it's that time of year, and we're going to... Fire cider? Like boozy cider? No, 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 no. Like witchy, old-school folklore made with... Ginger root, horseradish, oh, okay. onion, habanero. Basically, kill it with fire to- tonic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steeped no, I'm okay. That makes apple sense. cider vinegar. Yeah. And my kids, my kids love it. Like the girls, it, we swear by it because, you know, Wisconsin this time of year. Yeah. I usually, my go to because I'm allergic to pretty much all antibiotics except the one that you are currently on. Oh, that's not um, good. I, uh, generally speaking, will just crush and swallow whole cloves of garlic I intermittently garlic. throughout 
um, whenever I'm trying to head off something. Because if mm-hmm. I can get it early enough. Garlic and honey. Raw honey from your neighborhood. I live in best. New York City. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but you're Brooklyn. You guys got to have, like... The cemetery. That's right. They have honey. They do. It's true. Uh, Next year, I should remember to sponsor a hive so we can get some. I believe it's called the Sweet Hereafter. Ugh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, but also I don't eat honey. Uh, Really? Just because? No, because I think it's gross. Oh, okay. That makes sense. (laughs) I mean... Generally speaking, vegans don't eat honey. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't like it. I don't actually have a moral about it, especially if we're talking well-tended, well-maintained hives. Um, nobody send me an email. I don't care about your opinion. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's true that I, I don't, sincerely. Um, but if... It would help my allergies. I would super be into it. I use um, <laughs> honey bandages. Super be into it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you did that. Um, it does. I didn't that's, even know. That's why the local ones help. Um, there is a really delightful um, group that does honey in the Milwaukee area, and they do it by neighborhood. That's um, cool. It is. It's really super cool. My friend Kira carries it at her store, Swoon. Um, but yeah, there's, it's super helpful for allergies, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I love me some garlic. I want to make, uh, mm-hmm. I keep seeing on the TikTok garlic confit where they just basically take a shit ton of garlic and put it in the oven with olive oil for like low and slow forever, like roasted and then they put it in a jar and you use it, you just spread it on everything. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's the good stuff. Oh yeah. I do that with, um, our, one of Jeremy's cousins has a farm, and she just makes beautiful garlic braids oh. and things like that. And so every once in a while, we will be lucky enough to get some of her harvest. And I don't understand how she's so good at growing garlic, but she is very good at growing garlic. And so whenever we have those, we cut off the tops and put them in muffin tins and yes. then drizzle olive oil inside and then you can just squeeze it out of the uh clove and onto bread and it is the best it's also very satisfying to watch it yeah. kind of squoosh out <laughs> it is i haven't roasted garlic in a long time i need to do that but, this has um, been roasted garlic talk with Natalie and Haley. Yeah. <laughs> Say maybe we should <laughs> talk about um, disturbing things. Yeah, disturbing things. Mm-hmm. We could. You know what else we can do? Before we do that, we can take a quick break to thank all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over on Patreon and give a totally normal and mm-hmm. not at all creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to our newest member, Janet. Welcome Hi, Janet. Me. Welcome to Garlic Talk. <laughs> we should do a uh, Christmas episode, like from SNL, to remember the sweaty balls NPR. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, all I'm thinking of is Dick in a Box. Nice. But... Yes. Oh man, now it's stuck in my head. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's gonna be stuck in my head forever. 
Or wasn't that Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So wow. Hey, I knew two famous people's names. You did. Shocking. Only like 20 years out. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, hi, Janet. And thank you to all of our other Curiosity Shop members. You are the best, and we would totally go explore hidden old graveyards in the woods with you and then help you check for ticks. Absolutely. And if you want in on this fun, not only do you get some really, really great surprises we're working on, but you get a huge backlog of Patreon-only episodes Including next week where we talk about the witch's house and the legend of Cropsy. Yes. And even if you join just to listen to all the back stuff and then go, eh, this isn't all that great, that's fine too. We don't hold it against you. We're just happy to have you when you stop by. You can binge in sprints. It's cool. We love you anyway. Exactly. All right. So I'm going to show my love in a real fucked up way. Yes. Right now. And I am going to tell you about. Well, I should interrupt myself to say that we're talking about urban legends and the actual stories behind them yes. for both this and for our Patreon bonus episode. So for this one, I will be telling you about Slenderman. And the attempted Slender Man murder. Yes. Yes. Which is from my neck of the woods, but I honestly don't know much about it. Which is such a weird thing. Well, it's a lot. And it also involves minors. And so... uh, Who are not, by the way, minors anymore. Um, But it was... Everything that you could possibly think of that would go wrong in, like, a Mean Girls scenario, almost. Um, Just, like, middle school hormones and bad decisions. And I, speaking as somebody who has been raising um, to female-born offspring mm-hmm. who are now in high school. But the weirdness with the hormones and all that shit starts way earlier than I was even remotely prepared for. Like, I, the, the level that started, like, kicked off in middle school was what I was expecting in high school, and by then I thought I would at least be a functioning alcoholic. Um, something. <laughs> alas. <laughs> alas, No. I did not have the preparation. So, uh, yeah, it's there's the um, digging back into my my background because I went to school for therapy. Um, The it is actually very difficult to from middle school through high school to diagnose somebody specifically with bipolar because the (laughs) hormones and actual just growth process of the um especially with females the just the process itself mimics bipolar so it's, uh-huh it's ask me about my diagnosis <laughs> so yeah yeah oh it's totally true all right so you may be wondering 
Who and or what the fuck is Slenderman? Seriously. If, like us, you happen to be a creature of the internet, the idea of creepypastas will probably be familiar to you. But for the innocent and uninitiated, creepypastas are basically copy and pasted scary stories that pop up all over internet forums. And then if popular, they can evolve individually on those different forums and form sort of internet-based urban legends. And so they, there are lots of them. There are entire like subreddits dedicated to this. If I cannot explain Reddit, so <laughs> I, I just go to there. I don't understand it, but yeah. So because of the nature of these stories and just because of how the internet works, it can be very difficult to trace them back to their original sources. And sometimes the stories are interpreted as fact and then they spread like rumors and local references are sometimes added, often quite innocently, to flesh out the story. Like, in the same way that when we're telling each other stories, you add a little body to it. Mm-hmm. You add a little detail. And that just can build on itself. And it's essentially ends up being... Like a twisted version of telephone meets campfire story. That seems right. That seems like a good description for that. Yeah, and this is not just Slenderman. This is creepypastas broadly and also urban legends, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, Creepypastas are not very different from their analog counterparts. All right, so uh, people who grew up in the 1980s 80s like we did we were kids Mm -hmm. in the 80s will probably remember warnings to parents about checking halloween candy to make sure it wasn't tampered with popping up on the six o'clock news oh yeah yes i mean it just it was a thing and razor blades in the apples (laughs) yeah which wasn't ever a thing um yeah it And like many dark tales, some of these things are at least loosely based in fact. Like the poison pixie stick that kicked off that candy scare. That was a parent who was attempting to murder, and I believe succeeded in murdering their child. Mm. And there was almost one additional victim just by way of collateral damage so they fell asleep before they could eat the pixie stick the other person so yeah and because these things can be loosely based in fact and often are it makes them even harder to confirm or dismiss because there is a little bit of something And you can find the little bit of something someplace reputable. Because 
even like major news sources aren't immune to things that sound real and things that look on their face like evidence. Um, so this murky gray area of monsters under your bed and homicidal summer camps, that would be where Slenderman lurks. So here is an overview of the myth and like where it came from on the internet before I tell you about what happened because of it. Unlike many internet-based myths, Slenderman is an idea that can actually be literally traced back to an identifiable actual human source. Oh. Um, someone made him. His origins aren't a mystery. Uh, he's an idea that was brought into the world in 2009 by way of creativity, creepiness, and Photoshop. And so the original character of Slenderman, as many interesting things do, began with geeks with actionable skills pulling pranks on the internet. Yep. And, and, like they do. Yep. I, I mean, that that is a natural... The natural habitat yeah. of the internet geek, I would say. And so on June 8th, 2009, Victor Serge, whose real name is Eric um, Knudsen, posted two photoshopped photos in the forum of the website Something Awful. And if you are of our general internet age, you probably have been kicking around something awful at mm -hmm. some point. And the particular thread that these photos were posted on were a Photoshop threads specifically inviting people to make fake paranormal photographs in Photoshop. Like, that was the assignment. And... The guy who created Slenderman understood the assignment. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that it was very definitely make this fake thing. So there's yeah. no yeah, and open so to it. yeah. So Victor Serge, which is the name that he posted under, so I'm just going to use that as his handle because that it seems like that is the name that is most frequently used when talking about this. Uh, his photos both show children in the foreground in an outdoor setting and an impossibly tall shadowy figure with lanky limbs looming in the background. In his first image, the figure appears to be wearing a suit and appears not to have a face at all just a textured textured white sort of suggestion of where a face would be like the suggestion of features almost um and the second image shows the figure entirely in shadow but with the addition of tentacle-like arms extending outward from its body 
in both photoshopped images, what you see is uncanny and unsettling. They don't look real exactly, but they look like something you could stumble upon in the background of an old album filled with like your childhood photos from the 70s and 80s. Specifically something you could find if you knew to look for it. Yeah. If only you knew to pay attention. Da da da. <laughs> Alright. One of these he looks kind of lurch like. Oh yeah from... in one of the Slenderman photos? Yeah. yeah. Oh did I actually drop those hold on. I was I going know, I to just... drop the photos into the document. I did the Googles while he was doing the talkings. Okay, so you can you see both of the original ones? Yeah. Alright. Um so I will obviously link to these in the show notes for those of you listening at home. Shoot, this one's like, and it's funny because they, they come up in in multiple languages. Like it hit, like yeah, it it, it went it's not just viral. Yeah, in, it's not just North America here. Well, and it's still going. There is something like uh, on the original thread. In 2014, there was something like 192 printable pages by PDF. And that was in 2014, which is when many of these things took place. But the two photos that Victor Serge posted were also accompanied by captions that helped sort of set the stage for the world in which these photos were taking place. Now keep in mind, this was on purpose fake. This was on purpose creativity and storytelling. This wasn't intended to do anything other than entertain a threat of internet geeks. Like that's, that's all that it was meant to do. And so the first photo, which has... A young person with sort of chin-length hair in the foreground and a group of kids sort of, I don't know, in a like, playground maybe setting. Yeah. No equipment or anything. They look like young teens. And then the Slenderman figure in the back, and this is the one where he looks like he's wearing a suit. And... This is the text that accompanied the photo. Quote, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. And then it is credited 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. Which is perfect. Yeah, (laughs) so good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I am fairly certain that something like this exists in my portfolio from my creative writing degree. Like, this is, it's exactly what you want from exactly, this yeah. kind of story. And the second one actually went a step further, which I find to be quite clever, but I also completely understand how this is probably what pushed it over the edge and blurred the line between real and not real. 
So the second photograph was graced with a watermark that backed the story up and was captioned as follows. One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze. Notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as, quote, the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas missing since June 13th, 1986. That's so good. I know. It's so like Blair Witch before Blair Witch. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. It's just that whole. I mean, it was Blair Witch after Blair Witch. That's right. (laughs) in In my head, I'm thinking of the year of the photograph, not the actual year yeah. that was posted. But it's it's perfect. Like, it's well done. I definitely understood the assignment. It did very well. Yeah. And like I said earlier, the photos, they don't look real, but they look real enough to be unsettling. Right. Like, it's not overdone. It's It's... He was not heavy. I, I presume he. He was not heavy-handed yeah. in it. It was subtle enough, but yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting. And the second photo with the library watermark is a little girl climbing, or at least I, I think it's a little girl, a little person, not that kind of little person, climbing a large slide the ladder to it and they're staring at the camera smiling and in the background around them are other kids who are running around this playground area and in the very background is the shadowy silhouette of the slender man but this time with tentacled arms reaching out from behind him and he's surrounded by a group of children and the one that i'm looking at like he circled but i i'm also looking at like i also found one that's not circled and if if it wasn't circled if you just glance at the photo Mm -hmm. you wouldn't really notice it like you'd have to yeah well and you wouldn't notice it in the first one either at all if you were just glancing through it which is what makes them Perfect. Compelling. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I can totally see how this, once it got started. Right. It, well, I mean, like I said, it's still happening. So in the weeks following the original post, the thread grew. People started adding their own photoshopped images and altered news clippings. There were even faked children's drawings of the monster. The story continued to grow as more people contributed to the effort. Background stories were forged, characters were named, gore and jump scares were added. Mysterious deaths and outright uh, mysterious deaths and outright murders were rumored. And because this tale was a creation by the internet and of the internet, the narrative split and splintered and new takes took on lives of their own. Mm-hmm. And the ever-multiplying plot arcs made, made it seem like no one can get their facts straight. And 
that everything is coming into you second or even third hand rather than taking and so rather than like taking you out of the story like something like that might do for a more uh well i guess not supernatural story because you're already primed to allow for a little bit of leeway in your Mm -hmm. reality already um so because of that and all of the different versions of the story and all of the facts being ever so slightly different it's just creepier instead of making it make less sense it yeah it it just feels weird it feels like the situation keeps changing and you can't get a handle on where the danger lies so you can't protect yourself and doom could be anywhere as the story continued to spread into ever further corners of the internet it evolved into the stuff of creepypasta legend. Instead of being an idea that could be traced back to a person and to a specific thread on a specific site, which can be done, but that needed to be reconstructed forensically after the fact. Um, so instead of just having that direct line back it took on a life of its own some might even argue literally and the made-up character became very very real to some of its readers who had no idea that that original thread even existed uh yeah so then they didn't know that it was intentionally doctored and Well, and they also didn't know that all of the other, like, this thread on something awful spent weeks building the story together. Like, it was a collaborative internet storytelling. And all of those people were in on it. But when it started escaping the bounds of that thread, the, these... We're geeks with skills. Yeah. So the doctored... Excuse <coughs> uh, me. So the doctored news clippings and stuff looked legit. Yeah. Uh. Because they were trying to make them look true, not to fool anyone, but just to show off their skills. Right. Yeah. Fulfill the assignment. And the reason that the character became very real i think is because it's pretty easy for a lot of people to skim over a fabricated news story and decide that there's actually something to all this especially when those people happen to be kids Mm. and those happen to be the people on whom slender man is said to prey and if you happen to be rolling your eyes right now I just think about all of the news going around about vaccinations right now or the efficacy of various other bad idea medications. Like, there are 
people who are absolutely in good faith reading these things and trusting them. Well, because they are from sources that they trust. I'm also thinking of being of middle school age and into ghost stories. And yeah. like there's a part of you that wants it to be true. So, you know what I mean? It's, you it's latch like playing light as a feather, stiff as a board. Right? Like you want to feel like that person levitated. Yep. And... I think we did the math once to see what it would actually take, like how many people it would actually take to have two fingers lift up a relatively small human, and I can't remember what it is, but um, not by way of magic, but by way <laughs> of uh, levers. Um, Science! Yay! But... Yeah, you you want to believe. And I mean, mm -hmm. I'm saying that as someone who was literally a teenage witch. Mm -hmm. Like, there, in my personal world, there are blurry lines between what some people would call reality and what some people would call fantasy. Mm -hmm. And... Those lines are especially blurry when you're still young enough to be a kid, but old enough to be exposed to grown-up problems. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Generally speaking, a sighting of the Slender Man in these stories was accompanied by the abduction of children and also of deaths. Sometimes the kids were taken... And sometimes people connected to the kids were taken. And so that just builds on the I don't know what the real danger is anxiety. Mm -hmm. And if you're a kid who's reading this doesn't know that it's fake. I mean, even if, like, I think we, most of us played Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. Even if you know that something is an urban legend, it still right. can be very real to you. Well, and when all those fucking clowns would pop up out of nowhere, was that the summer before COVID? Uh, well, that was, wasn't that John Wayne Gacy? No, no, no. This is, I mean, no, like there was, there was people... In, like, neighborhoods that were just, like, there would just be a random clown there. Oh, I remember. But yeah. it happened first in, um, I, th yeah. I think it was Gacy. Um, yeah, Gacy, Gacy was the, yeah, Gacy was the clown. And I'm just like, yeah, he was the killer clown, right? But this yeah. was, like, random people, like, I don't know if they ever figured out, I think there was It was in the Midwest, was like a, wasn't it? Because I remember I wondering like, if it was the Juggalos and then realizing that, no, the Juggalos are good people. <laughs> right. I'm like, that's, I mean, they that, are. that's a good way to get yourself killed because somebody's going to end up being like, nope. And they would like randomly chase people. And like, it. Just, I was like, but that's a thing. Like, you don't know what the origin of it is. And nobody knew exactly what. It's very easy was. to scare the shit out of someone. Right. By just taking an idea and running with it, especially if you don't actually 
even if, especially if you don't know the story well because right. then you're building in an entirely new questions into it and options that didn't exist before and so as all of this was spreading on the internet it continued to build people continued to create and people who didn't necessarily know that these were stories were also building on that with their own perceived personal experiences and so you have a bunch of people out there who think they're telling the truth and who may well be telling the truth and also a bunch of people who are literally making a story up and then a bunch of kids who have no idea which is real and this is the atmosphere in which the attempted murder that i'm going to talk about happened um so many people who are familiar with slenderman as a story will also be familiar with this really horrific stabbing that is connected to it. And even though I will be talking about the actions of children, I'm going to use their real names in the story because all of these names were made public following the crime and the perpetrators and the victim are now all adults. Yeah. And their names are very much part of the public record. And I will only use their last names once, but I will call them by their first names because it's just easier. Because it is three 12-year-old girls and calling them Miss fill-in-the-blank last name is confusing. Gotcha. All right. So in the summer of 2014, a 12-year-old girl, Peyton Leutner, from Wau Waukesha, Wisconsin. Waukesha, yep. Waukesha? Waukesha, yep. All right. From Waukesha, Wisconsin, was attacked by two of her closest friends, Morgan Geyser and Anissa Weiner, who were also 12-year-old sixth graders like their victim uh, at Horning Middle School. Which, I don't know why, but reading the name of the middle school just really... Hits home how babies they like, are. Oh. Yeah. Gosh, I... Yeah, I just have a lot of memories of being that age and how complicated it is to be that age. When apprehended and questioned by the police, Morgan and Anissa both claimed that they believed that Slenderman was real and that they needed to kill someone to prove themselves worthy of being his, quote, proxies so they could then join him to live in his mansion in the north woods of Wisconsin. There ain't no mansions in the north woods. Yeah. Come on now. They also <laughs> thought they were going to walk there. So. <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny because Waukesha is down near Milwaukee. Yes. Uh, we, it, I grew up in Waukesha County. Which oh, is okay. Funny. So, Menominee Falls. But yeah, it's. Yeah, chit, no. 
Yeah. Just the, the fact that there'd be a, like a mansion in the fucking Northwoods makes me giggle in and of itself. But uh, it's a it's a big area. I, I guess mean, you could is, hide a mansion in there. You could, but why would you? I mean, a spectral mansion. I don't know that it needs much square footage. I suppose. Oh my God. I don't know, but. I mean, we're laughing a little bit and making some jokes because this is such a horribly uncomfortable thing to talk about. I don't think that these girls knew what the word proxy meant. I I think they just read it on the internet. I was going to say that that sticks out when you said it. I was like, that's weird. Like, I don't know that. And that's what they said over and over in their police interviews because I've seen them. And it's, yeah, it, it's quite something. So here's what happened. Following a birthday sleepover, Morgan, Anissa, and Peyton visited a local park, where, unbeknownst to Peyton, Morgan and Anissa were planning to murder her. Just straight up. The After original plan... Spending hmm? the night together, like that... Well, yeah, it, it's it's a whole thing. Um, the original plan that morning, we will learn later that there was an original original plan that is okay. a step before that. But the original plan that morning had been to kill her in the bathroom at the park that they were going to, where they asked one of their moms permission to walk to because they're 12 and just had a slumber party. (laughs) Um, So they were going to kill her in the bathroom at the park, presumably because there was a drain in there? I I guess that's thinking. I I, I mean, this is the weird thing. They are old enough to know practicalities about death. They are young enough to not, to clearly not understand the full weight of that. Like, I wonder if they, like, researched it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they talked about it and created a code so they could talk about it in public. And they had been planning for quite some time. So when killing Peyton in the bathroom did not go as planned, there seems to have been some knocking of heads against concrete, and then uh, they decided to go play hide-and-seek. I don't know. Because because they're children. (laughs) When attempted murder fails, just a little hide-and-seek. It's fine. Right. So... Like I said, when the bathroom attempt did not go as planned, Morgan and Anissa then lured their friend into the woods deeper into the park, where, at Anissa's signaling, Morgan stabbed Peyton 19 times with a knife that they had picked up in the kitchen on the way out of the house. Oh, that's so brutal. Morgan and Anissa then ran off, leaving Peyton there to die. Right. And, yeah, it, 
Yeah. Despite Anissa's attempt to direct the now stabbed Peyton away from crawling towards the road, which she was trying to do to get help, apparently Anissa, like, turned her around so she would be going in the opposite direction. And, I mean, this is a kid who's just been stabbed 19 times by a 5-inch kitchen knife. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so despite the attempt to direct her away from the road, it would seem that Peyton still had her wits about her enough to actually crawl to the road. She dragged herself to the road and it wasn't very far but it was far enough for I was gonna say when you stabbed 19 times yeah uh and this is morning by the way that was like before 10 a.m um yeah so when she got to the road a bicyclist happened to be going by and she asked for help and said that she'd been stabbed. She was a 12-year-old girl covered in blood. Imagine being that bicyclist, like, rolling up on that. That's a thing of nightmares anyway. And then it being, like, an actual little girl. Good on Peyton for having the strength and wherewithal to... Like, just process the situation enough to be able to get help. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, that is one interesting thing that 12 year olds are resilient motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. And, like, if there is a time where you are going to have enough adrenaline and other hormones kicking around to stave off shock yeah. and do the thing. I guess that's probably then. I, I if, don't know. If I were her the second you tried to turn my ass around, then I'd have been real pissed. <laughs> and then I'd have been like, oh, no, I'm getting to that road now. Like, that would have just been like, mm, no, it's on now. I, she wasn't that kind of girl. Oh, she God, was. Peanut. She was a sweetheart, it oh. seems. Local first responders were immediately called to the scene thanks to the cyclist. And they were able to provide life-saving assistance to Peyton, who had been stabbed in the chest, abdomen, and legs. Oh, God. At least one wound was just a millimeter away from striking a major artery, which would have been immediately fatal. Oh, my God. Yep. But instead of dying, as her friends had planned, oh, by the way, uh, when the first responders asked her who did it, she said, my best friend. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I just want to hug her. I just want to hug her. And... Morgan, if I'm remembering correctly, had been her best friend since fourth grade. And that is the person who stabbed her. Jesus, fuck. 
I can't. I. <clears throat> yeah. So, but the first responders come. They get her. She identifies her attackers, and she is given life-saving help because a cyclist happened to be in the right place at the right time, and because she is a badass who dragged herself from where she was injured to a place where someone could see her. So, Go, Peyton. Thank you, cyclists. Yes. Also, Go. first responders, you rock. Yep. And we should just keep in mind here when we're when we're talking about this story, all of these people are still alive. All of these people right now are in their late teens. So that's like my duck. Yeah, I, I believe they just turned nineteen. Okay, so they're older than my kids, but still, it's so yeah. fucked up. And so, now, but my, I this hits hard for me because m- my aunt was murdered. She right. was stabbed to death. Oh. And it was it was over a hundred times. I mean, it was significantly more. But just the brutality of what it yeah. takes, like it's according, the, yeah. The logistics of it all is not lost on me in a way that it's probably not quite oh, we, as graspable. We do know exactly what happened. We even know the conversation that took place as it was happening. Jesus, I, I. Yeah. I hate you, I trusted you, is what she yelled at Morgan as she was being stabbed. (sighs) Good for her, though. I mean... Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and leave out what Anissa yelled to make this all kick off. Because I don't feel like that needs to be... Okay. I don't feel like that needs to be given a voice it's findable. There is yeah. an entire documentary with the actual police interview recordings and courtroom proceedings. And so it is, it is publicly available. But, um, yeah. So she's a badass who is also still a young woman. And we should really, really, really not forget that these are real people. When yeah. they're talking about them, even though it is an extremely interesting because it is so fucked up true crime, mm-hmm. these are all human beings who still exist and who still could conceivably come across any media about them. Correct. Yeah. So just just saying that, like, on the off chance that any of them happen to listen to this, like, we, we know that you're humans. Right. And we remember being 12. Mm -hmm. So, all right. (sighs) So instead of dying, as her friends had planned, Peyton was taken to the hospital where she began a very long recovery. Morgan and Anissa were discovered more than four hours later walking near a highway. With them was an old purse that belonged to one of their mothers, and that purse contained a kitchen knife with a five-inch blade, bloody, Mm. a backpack that carried food, water, and clothes, and also photos of their families. 
they had. Oh, a hard processing all of the emotions around me. Like, I want to punch him and I want to hug them. Like, I don't... And you will continue to want that. Um, because it's not... It's way more complicated right. than, yeah. than it sounds like it on the face. So, according to them, they were walking towards Slender Mansion. Because for all they knew... They had succeeded in killing their best friend and could now go live with Slenderman, who they believed in. And the entire reason that they killed their close friend was to prove to the world that Slenderman existed because mm. they needed that to be real so badly. And that is a thing that I do not understand, but I also don't not understand it, I guess. I mean, I don't understand the actual killing part. That, that's, a, that's a step too far. Yeah, like, I, I don't understand the logic behind it, but I'm not 12. 12-year-olds 12 yeah. are typically well, I, super logical. The death <laughs> of a kid is usually surrounds the Slenderman lore. Yeah. And I don't think they knew what proxy meant, but killing by proxy mm-hmm. is absolutely the thing that happened, even if they did not know what that word meant. And it's not entirely clear exactly where all of the things that they read and watched about Slenderman were from I think that is not generally shared because it would be dangerous to compile yeah in some place where a kid could come across it but there are like five million and I'm just making that number up YouTube videos and endless websites dedicated entirely to Slenderman there's an entire section of deviant art that yeah. is all Slenderman. Like, it's a, it's a whole thing. And for a certain age range of kids at that time, every single one of them would have known who Slenderman was. And even if their parents didn't. According to their interviews with police, Morgan and Anissa had been planning to kill their friends since at least February of 2014. Months in advance of their attempt. So the news broke the first week of June, and I believe the actual attempted murder happened the previous week, so I think it was the very end of May. And at first, they had planned to kill Peyton at the sleepover. Like, in her sleeping bag. Because... I... Mm. I... <laughs> A lot of loss for words. A lot of loss. For words. I mean, I have been too afraid to fall asleep at sleepovers before. Right. But that's not why. No. I was afraid no. of what might be on the other side of the sliding glass door. Not what might be on the other side of my sleeping bag. True. Or get my bra frozen. Oh, God. Or your hand put in warm water. water. <laughs> right. Like anything yeah. like that. Sharpie you know on the face. That... Right after I got my very first period, 
uh, my friends all had a sleepover for the summer, and, like, I didn't get a regular period until college, but this was, I, I think I was, like, 13 or 14, mm-hmm. and in the, I must have fallen asleep first, mm-hmm. and I woke up <laughs> with, mm-hmm. um menstrual pads stuck all over me and they had used lipstick and eyeshadow to color them red and i was so afraid because i had been freaking out because my period was due again and Mm -hmm. i had just had it once ever and i didn't know what getting it again felt like and i just froze like full on panic and then i cried but you know the the crying where you're in your sleeping bag and nobody knows (laughs) and then i stuck them to my friends (laughs) because i mean they they weren't they were trying to be funny they were i mean they had all had their periods for a while it it was not as traumatic in their minds as it was in mine and yeah. they didn't know that because they were 13 yeah <laughs> yeah anyway um that it was a fake blood not real blood memory mm-hmm. um yep so at first they had planned to kill peyton at the sleepover and then the plan shifted to in the park and in the bathroom and then from there the plan shifted to in the woods where they told Peyton apparently that they wanted to play hide and seek and bird watch. Uh, bird watch? That's a new one. Right? Like <laughs> whatever. Like my friends at the age would be like let's bird watch and I'd be like what? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> As required by Wisconsin state law, both 12-year-olds were tried as adults for the attempted murder. And there, I have a lot of feelings about Mm -hmm. that. Um, I watched a documentary called Beware the Slender Man that had interviews with the parents and footage from the actual police interviews, not dramatizations, but the real thing, Mm. and also footage from the real court proceedings. And in one of them, uh, one of them is a a 12-year-old girl doing the things that you would expect 12-year-old girls to do, and one of them does not have emotion. Oh. And so Anissa is the one who's sitting in the interview room being questioned when the officer steps out. Like, she puts her head down. She's sobbing. Like, she's upset. She's also asking really inappropriate questions. Like, I'm just wondering how... How far did we get? How how far did we walk? Because she's still, she's believing still in Slenderman existing and wants to know how close they got to the fucking mansion. 
Even while she's dealing with the very real reality of having been arrested. And they don't know that Peyton didn't die yet. Mm. So as far as they know, they've killed their friend. Oh, wow. And so, like, Anissa has feelings. There, it's very clear, like, she made a bad decision and she is under some really, really mistaken assumptions. Like, there is, there is a break with reality there. But Morgan just doesn't react to anything. Like, complete lack of any sort of emotional response at all. At one point, she asked if um, if Peyton was dead. And the officer probably had been given instructions not to say so. And they were just, he was asking leading questions mm-hmm. in the way that he was supposed to be doing. And I, at some point, he's like, you know, the girl who was stabbed. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what, 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 no. And one of them referred to it as stabity stab stab at some point. Like, the, these are kids. But there's, it's very, very clear. Morgan was the one who did the stabbing. And yeah. Morgan also very, very systematically threw Anissa under the bus. And made her to blame for all of it. Um, like, it was Anissa's idea, uh, according to um, so Morgan. Morgan sounded like a shady little... It's complicated. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what the answer is as far as who had what idea, who was instigating what. I do know that Anissa was not capable of stabbing Peyton. She yeah. couldn't bring herself to do it. And so that is how Morgan ended up stabbing her. But, but it's, it's still not that easy. Uh, Morgan, at age 14, pleaded guilty to attempted first-degree intentional homicide. It was found that at the time she was suffering under delusions as a result of untreated early onset schizophrenia and psychotic spectrum disorder at four, her dad wait, at was 12? schizophrenic that's so early though that's so early for schizophrenia to be it is but it's also very clear that it's real yeah. like watching I was so uncomfortable watching all of the interviews. I mean, she seems disassociative at minimal, so. Well, because it was really clear she wasn't being calculating. Yeah. Because she just did not have that connection to reality. And, like, it was really clear to me that she was telling the truth. And that is almost more terrifying than yeah. than her 
being malicious because I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, she was definitely seeing things that other people didn't see. She was hearing things that other people didn't hear. They would later publish some of her journals where it is really, really clear that like she's trying to find a way to get out of her own brain. Like she does not know what to do with what's happening in her head. She's like confused. She's afraid of what's going on in her head. And like that is all like you kind of can't make that that variety of 12 year old drama in your journal up. No, you can't. No. Um, Yeah. It's surprising to me, though, that if her father had it, that there wouldn't be more Um, awareness of mental health in general within the home. parents were not together, and Mm -hmm. her dad had always had well-controlled schizophrenia, and I don't know that he was medicated but he was very much aware of things that were and were not reality, even if he could see them and like understanding what was and wasn't possible to be in a given situation. And because she was so young, they hadn't told her. She didn't know that her dad had schizophrenia and they hadn't noticed because she's a 12 year old girl who's on her iPad all the time. Right. And, I mean, what 12-year-old kid wants to pour their heart out to their parents all the time? I mean, okay, both of us and our, yeah, okay, your kids, me, whatever. But not most. Right. And so it's, I think that they were probably correct in recognizing that she was not actually truly in control or responsible for her actions. But that said, at 15, Morgan was sentenced to a 40-year commitment in a psychiatric hospital. Okay. Which is a perfectly, like, actually on the high end of a normal murder sentence. Um... So she is in a secure facility, but, and she's um, willingly taking antipsychotics. Like it's, I'm glad it's a psychiatric facility versus me just too. a prison. Yeah, and they're very specifically treating, like, they're aware that she's a child. Yeah. And it was very clear this entire time that everyone involved were horrified but also aware that all three of these girls were children and which is good and rare yeah it it is it it was like a shockingly reasonable approach to law enforcement but um though she is committed for 40 years because mental illness is a thing that can be worked with that can like if she's able to regulate with medications and she's able to learn how to function in society she's Mm -hmm. not dangerous to it anymore 
Correct. And so her lawyers are allowed to petition for her release every six months. They have the opportunity to do so. It's um, easier to they debilitate, aren't. you know, given the, yeah. I guess for lack of a better way of phrasing it. I mean, yeah. because, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it's good. It's good. Um, it also is another blaring example of another one of the bajillion reasons that our country needs to focus on mental health care yep. much more than it does. I mean, I'm really glad that the outcome was this because they didn't have, they weren't able to try them as children in the juvenile system. They did, however, keep them locked up in a juvenile facility. They did not go into general population. Well, that's good. Which is good. So, But also, I mean, they were young suburban white females. So I think... Yeah, from a wealthy suburb. Yeah. So I think they were also... They... Privileged in this manner. They were being watched out for in a way that many aren't. Right. Anissa pled guilty to being a party to attempted second-degree intentional homicide. And she was sentenced to 25 years in a psychiatric hospital. And she recently petitioned the court to release her, saying that she had, quote, exhausted all of the resources available to me at the Winnebago Mental Health Institute, stating further that, quote, if I am to become a productive member of society, I need to be part of society. And on Friday, September 10th of this year, a judge ordered her release. And she was, as far as I know, released on Monday, September 13th. And as part of her release conditions, a case manager will monitor her medication and will monitor her for post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety and the personality disorder that she was diagnosed with that hasn't been specified. And um, her cell phone won't be able to access the internet and she won't be allowed to use social media at all. And she also won't be allowed to consume alcohol or drugs, enter a bar, possess a weapon, or have any contact with Peyton or her family. And she will also be living with her father and have 24-7 GPS monitoring and will be required to receive ongoing psychiatric treatment. Um, She's also only allowed to use the internet at home and the Department of Corrections will monitor all of her online activity. Oh, wow. I, I think this... This feels uh, right, I guess. I mean, I don't, as, from what I watched and what I've read in the research that I did, Anissa is, seemed readily able to benefit from psychiatric treatment and come out on the other side and be because she didn't because they didn't succeed mm-hmm. in killing their friend i do feel like 
there needs to be some weight on the fact that she was a child, on the fact that there was a clear mental health break that was happening with both of those kids at that time. And that she was hanging out with someone who did not have feelings and who had undiagnosed schizophrenia and was making plans with that person. Like, there was no voice of logic or reason pushing back against the bad ideas of a 12-year-old. Yeah. And none of that makes what, what they did okay, but it does require a bit of grace from those of us who are adults who don't feel as though damning someone to be a monster for the rest of their lives is useful because you could make both of these girls monsters right or you could make one of them not and possibly the other one i don't know if the other girl if morgan if her treatment will progress to a point where she too is able to participate in society i don't know neither do they but that's true it's well yeah i mean mental health care in a lot of ways is a it's a crapshoot yeah um in how it's gonna affect your brain and everything yeah and it does seem to me that anissa is very much capable of doing the work and has been doing the work it seems that she understands the weight of her actions yes and and, is, and takes responsibility for it right and, that's, and that's they the never didn't both right. of them always absolutely admitted to everything they did there was they never lied they were very like i don't think it occurred to them that they could tell adults things that weren't true yeah. So anyway, um, that is the current state of things. And I just want to wrap things up with a little bit of a heartwarming thing. How's Peyton doing? <laughs> Do we uh, know? I, well, alive. Um, right. I do not know and I have not. I didn't go down that rabbit hole because okay. I wanted, I don't. I, I don't know. It felt disrespectful. I get it. I get and it. so the following week after this happened to Peyton, uh, some of her friends at the middle school painted cat whiskers on their face because she loved cats in a visible show of support for oh Peyton while gosh. she was still recovering in the hospital. Oh. Yep. And Jeez. so, like... 12-year-olds can also be blindingly compassionate. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, this is a very complicated, very complicated case, a very long case. Um, Well, everything I do is long. But, (laughs) well, it's true. Um, But, yeah, it just, there aren't right answers here. There are just shades of, ooh, could you have known? Could you have noticed? At what point could you have stepped in? Could you have stepped in? 
Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and no one will ever know unless you're actually in that household. And actually, you know what I mean? Like, it's. Yeah. And have, those. Having come across my children and their friends and have yeah. their friends. I can't tell you the number of times that, you know, my kids have come to me and said, okay, I need to talk to you about something. And then I go, okay, which hat am I wearing? Because yeah. I need to know if I'm wearing the mom hat or if I'm wearing the former mental health care professional hat. <laughs> you know, and it's all the while them knowing that there's a line in there. And if they tell me something that crosses that line, that I have to act on it, that well, I have to. Of course you do, because you are a responsible grown-up who's looking out for their best interests. Right. Like, that just, that just is. And so, the Slenderman mythology continues to grow. It's still out there. And the attempted murder has actually fed into it in a really uh, gross way. I don't like that. Like... You know the women who are super into serial killers? Like, yeah. the ones who want to, like, marry them and write to them and do all the things? Yeah. There's fan that's... art of Morgan and Anissa. There's You're... fan uh... art portrayals of no. what happened. Oh, like, God. No. it's... I highly recommend not looking at the images if you are googling this because you don't want any part of that but like i said the slender man is still bouncing around the internet people are still very much buying into this mythology and it's not like slender man is a new idea there yeah. are like tall lanky dark figures with exaggerated and elongated limbs that don't move correctly is kind of a thing and it's been kind of a thing for well, even like people shadow people you know well exactly it like in germany there's um der grossmann which is a tall figure um in the schwarzwald which is the uh black forest area mm -hmm. um and that has been like in woodcuts since the 16th century yeah. and it wasn't new then like so the imagery isn't new, the name is. And I do recommend, if you are interested or concerned about this, that you watch the documentary, Beware the Slender Man, because yeah. it makes things clearer than I feel like they are when you piece together like stories from the times. But... um one thing that Slenderman definitely is, is a fucking brilliant piece of internet storytelling. Yeah. I mean, it successfully harnessed the visuals, the rumors, the viral nature of internet gossip, and then manifested it into reality for people. Yeah. And some people argue that uh, Slenderman is an example of a tulpa, like a monster that you believed in until it became real. Like, yeah. And maybe, but there are absolutely people still, um, well, that's in poor taste. I was going to say drinking the Kool-Aid, but whatever. It, it's, kind of, it. it's kind of cult. Um, yeah. 
So as of May, the end of May this year, on a on the Slenderman um, fan wiki, there is a comment responding to the creator of the story, like the originator, mm-hmm. um, that says, and this is just chilling to me, so I'm, I'm going to read it. I don't necessarily think you should read too much into anonymous comments on the internet, but um, just to show you how it's still going and that it this case didn't stop it. Um, quote, I have been going back and forth about whether to write this, but I do feel like people should know that Eric Knudsen did not create Slenderman. Slenderman is not fictional, at least not completely. There's something that even Eric might need to know if he doesn't know this already. He might. I say this because I don't know if Knudsen is knowingly lying when he claims that Slenderman is something he made up or if Eric simply believes Slenderman was a figment figment of his imagination and therefore something that came from him um, and his mind. I will say that I don't believe that Eric Knudsen has been completely forthcoming about his experiences and the origin of the Slender Man in his media content, as in, he didn't create it out of thin air based on external fictional inspiration, as he has claimed. Yes, what I am saying is that I believe Eric Knudsen had an encounter with the same Slender Man I did, and is either telling people it's something he made up so that people don't think he is crazy, or he has simply convinced himself that what he experienced was a figment of of his imagination. And that's only half of an entire manifesto comment. So that's that's still happening. And And it's it's very articulate. It's not like super troll. And so were all of like the because the stories were created by people who had skills and storytelling skills, they aren't like weird trashy internet memes. So is this just another chapter that somebody's trying to write or I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yep. And, and nobody knows. And that is the complication of it all, is that those kids didn't know. Right. And, like, all three of them didn't know. All three of them thought Slenderman was real. And so does this person think that, or is this person epically trolling? Or is this person just scratching his creative writing itch? I don't know. And neither does anyone else who's reading it. Um... So yeah, that's it. I'm sorry that was so long, but I wanted <laughs> to do apologize. it justice. Um, and it was a hard one to do justice without detail. You did it perfectly. Thank you. And I think it's interesting um, how I had a tough... I had something in mind I wanted to talk about. You had something in mind you wanted to talk about. And <laughs> it both ends up being how fiction affects reality how reality affects 
fiction and how the things can get woven together. Um, yeah. So one of my favorite, and I attest underrated stories, especially this time of year, is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. In, I have loved it ever since I was little. Um, did you know that Ichabod Crane was a real person? Yes. I suppose before I get into that, though, there may be some <laughs> listeners that are wondering who the heck would name their kid Ichabod and where is Sleepy Hollow. So let me begin at the beginning. Well, at least 1819. So, Which is the, pretty close to the beginning of the country. Right? So the Legend of Sleepy Hollow is a gothic story by American author Washington Irving that was published in his collection of 34 essays and short stories titled The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, comma, Gent, which is commonly referred to... I don't think I knew to, that. Yeah, which is commonly referred to as just the sketchbook. So Irving wrote this while living abroad in Birmingham, England, where he's working for his family business. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow was originally first published in 1819. This collection also contains another of his most famous stories, Rip Van Winkle. Hmm. So if you've not yet read this um, at all, it is, again, part of the Gutenberg Project, and I have linked the Sleepy Hollow specifically in the show notes. I've also included an audio file of it read by a guy named Chip. And that's all I know about him is the guy's name is Chip because it says as Thanks, read Chip. by Chip. So good on you, Chip. Uh, yep. The bit I listened to, he uh, has a very good narrating voice. Um, it is said that Irving's stories were highly influenced by German folktales with the legend of Sleepy Hollow being inspired by a folktale recorded by Carl... Moose House. Um, it is also credited as being one of America's first ghost stories. Yeah. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow takes place on the eastern shore of the Hudson River Valley, New York. And a town that Irving writes is about three miles from Terrytown. Yeah. He names the town Sleepy Hollow uh, and says it was given its name by its original Dutch settlers for its dreary atmosphere and supernatural occurrences surrounding witches and other ghouls and the story features one in particular the headless horseman now as the legend goes he is a hessian soldier sometimes referred to as the galloping hessian of the hollow and is a ghost without a head that rides around on horseback only at night oh hessian soldiers are such a weird point in history (laughs) yeah now Irving didn't invent the idea of a headless rider. Uh, Tales of headless horsemen can be traced back to the Middle Ages, including stories from the Brothers Grimm, who we know stole shit from everybody else, and the Dutch. They stole shit from all the ladies. Right, all the ladies. Telling stories. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Dutch and Irish legend of the Dullahan or Gansian, a Grim Reaper like rider who carries his head around with him. Like you do. Like you do. Just, you know. Just. That seems inconvenient. Wouldn't you fashion a satchel? That's what, yeah, something. Or just, you know, I don't know. Nobody asked us. Somehow, right? Yeah. So Elizabeth Bradley, who is a historian uh, at the historic Hudson Valley, says a likely source for Irving's horsemen can be found in Sir Walter Scott's 
1796 The Chase, which is a translation of the German poem The Wild Huntsman by Gottfried Berger and likely based on Norse mythology. Irving had just met and became friends with Scott in 1817, so it's very likely he was influenced by his new, new mentor's work, she says. The poem is about a wicked hunter who is doomed to be hunted forever by the devil and the dogs of hell as punishment for his crimes. Oh, yeah. Mm, that would suck. I'm just saying. Hellhounds, man. Yeah. Nothing really good ever bad. comes of hellhounds. Yeah. Why can't they just curl up and sleep in front of the fire? Right? Give them a bone. Actually, they do. There is a hellhound that is known to do that. That would be my favorite hellhound, then. Yeah, uh, I can't remember any more details than that. <laughs> so, according to the New York Historical Society, others believe that Irving was inspired by an actual Hessian soldier who was decapitated by a cannonball during the Battle of White Plains around Halloween of 1776. Shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's not funny, but... At the same time, that's that... oddly specific. Wow. Right? Um, and if you're I, that specific, you're entirely telling the truth or entirely full of shit. There exactly. is no middle ground. I remember watching, oh gosh, I want to say the movie is called Glory. It's one of those like Civil War kind of movies and like it, it, somebody shot off a cannon and the cannonball's just rolling and it bumps into this guy and like literally knocks his entire leg off and I was like that seems extreme I, it doesn't look like it was going that fast but I'm guessing that if it, if that could take out a leg it could absolutely remove a head um, I mean cannonballs are an interesting medium of yeah. destruction indeed very inaccurate like you just kind of but they're so large and heavy that you know you're gonna hit something well I mean you were just trying to rip a hole in the side of a ship. Yep. Carnage. Uh, or at least, or horses, I guess. Yeah, I guess. don't know. So Major General, General William Heath published a memoir of his Revolutionary War experiences in 1798. On November 1st, 1776, Heath wrote in his journal that a shot from the American cannon at this place, White Plains, took off the head of a Hessian artilleryman. White Plains is located Oops. less than 10 miles from Terrytown. And I'm guessing, I mean, I, that kind of experience would stick to you. I mean, that'd be something I'd be writing down. I'd be like, you will not believe what happened. Yeah, and all of these areas that you're talking about are really nearby. Like, right. And they're settlements that people would have been going back and forth between people would have been talking like gossip right. would have been shared about them like that's um yeah yep so irving actually first visited tarrytown in 1798 um i have never visited tarrytown and i am very close to it <laughs> <laughs> well a yellow fever epidemic was raging through new york city so him and his family fled to escape the infection. Fair enough. Yeah. So he was enthralled by Terrytown's Dutch character. The town reminded him of a bygone era. Um, and a, lot a of bygone those... era in 1776. Right. <coughs> I would just me. like to put that out there. I know, right? It's just... <laughs> like, how much bygoner do you want to get? Medieval. 
might be a lot of Ooh, ode to the plague <laughs> so um he recounted a lot of the quaint customs in in the legend of sleepy hollow visiting tarrytown was actually a pretty formative experience for irving the idyllic countryside uh was perfect for his imagination hidden valleys meandering streams there was this air of mystery um and he recalled hearing many legends and ghost stories Villagers spoke in hushed whispers of the strange cries heard in the woods where they captured the British spy John Andre and had he had been hung. His sojourn into the Hudson River Valley inspired many of his spellbinding tales. Mm-hmm. Now, the, sto- <laughs> the story's protagonist is our buddy Ichabod Crane, local school teacher, who also enjoys singing as a great dancer and master of Cotton Mather's History of the New England Witchcraft. Wow. That is marriage material right there, ladies. This is what I'm thinking until you listen to how Irving describes our buddy Ichabod. Come and get it. <coughs> he describes him as such. He was tall and exceedingly lank, with narrow shoulders, long arms and legs, hands that dangled about a mile out of his sleeves, and feet that might have served for shovels. So he's Slenderman. Right? His head was small and flat at top, with huge ears, large green glassy eyes, and a long snipe nose. To see him striding along on a windy day, with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for some scarecrow that has eloped from a cornfield. And I don't know enough to know if that had um, anti-Semitic undertones or not. Oh, that's true. I don't know. All I know is he did he did Ichapod crane dirty. So Ichapod in the story uh, courts Katrina Van Tassel, a young heiress who. How? (laughs) Right. Who the Dutchman Brom Bones also has set his eyes upon. Oh, I want that one. Right? Anything but the scarecrow. Uh, After being shot down by Katrina at a party at the Van Tassel farm, where ghost stories were being shared, Ichabod leaves and is then chased by a headless horseman, who may or may not have been his rival, who hurls a pumpkin at the man, throwing Ichabod from his horse, and the schoolmaster vanishes. And I'm going to leave the rest of the story for you to learn on your own. If you don't want to read it, I totally recommend the 1999. Wait, he vanished how? I'm not telling you. You got to read it. Uh, Or or watch the uh, 1999 Tim Burton movie with Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci. I've seen it. Because Burton, Depp, Ricci. It's really, I like it. I think it's good. It's peak all of those things. Yes, it is. It is. French kiss. Give it a watch. Uh, So Franz Potter, who is a professor at the National University who specializes in Gothic studies, says that It's walking bisexuality. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Says the headless horseman as a supernatural entity represents a past that never dies but always haunts the living. The headless horseman supposedly seeks revenge and a head, which he thinks was unfairly taken from him, Potter says. Fair enough. Right? The injustice demands that he continually search for a substitute. The horseman, like the past, still seeks answers, still seeks retribution, and can't rest. 
We are haunted by the past, which stalks us so that we never forget it. Now, as for... Right? It's kind of heavy there, Franz. Uh, As for folklore mixing with history, remember how I mentioned a real Ichabod Crane? Yeah. The real Ichabod Crane was Ichabod Bennett Crane, born in Elizabethtown, New Jersey in 1787, fewer Mm. than 50 miles from the location of the fictitious Sleepy Hollow. Unlike Irving's scarecrow of a schoolmaster, this Ichabod Crane was like a tough and seasoned military officer. He was known as being extremely courageous and joined the U.S. Marine Corps at an early age. All right, so I'll take that one. Right? When the War of 1812 broke out, he accepted a commission as captain in the U.S. Army and served as commander of various forts along the Niagara frontier. He eventually was promoted. Oh, so he had money if he was commissioned. Oh, yeah. Uh, He eventually was promoted to the rank of major and led troops in several campaigns, including the Black Hawk War in 1832 the Second Seminole, 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 uh, War in 1835, where he served under future President Zachary Taylor, and later along the U.S.-Canadian border during Canada's Patriot War in 1838, ultimately rising to the rank of Colonel in 1843 before the start of the Mexican-American War. Uh, wow. Right? And he came from, like, a huge military family. Uh, so how did his name end up such a famous tale? Well, Washington Irving and it's Ichabod... It's a good name. <laughs> it is. And Ichabod Crane were both stationed at Fort Pike, located on Lake Ontario and Sackett's Harbor, New York, in 1814. Hmm. At that time, Irving was an aide to New York's governor who was inspecting defenses in the area while Crane was an artillery captain. Scholars debate whether the two actually met there, but in all likelihood, that's where Irving learned of Crane's unusual name and recorded it for future works, as he was pretty much known to do. I wonder what Ichabod thought of all that. Oh, we will get there. Uh, (laughs) Crane's somewhat unusual and memorable first name, Ichabod, comes from the biblical name of the grandson of Eli, the high priest and son of Phineas? Phineas? Yeah, that's... I am not the biblicalist, uh, so I probably mispronounced that. But it's from the, it's from the, it's from the Bible. Um, it has been reported that Colonel... Ichabod I mean, it's also Crane, just from the history. That's true, from the history. That, that particular name. <laughs> uh, so hmm. it has been reported that Colonel Ichabod Crane did indeed resent his name being used in Irving's popular Halloween story. And I mean, it's a good name loathed Irving for it. From the time of its publication, this military tough guy must have offered suffered humiliation when introducing himself only to hear, oh, like the sleepy hollow schoolmaster? Uh, One can only imagine what his reply to that must have been, and it must have been super difficult. Flexing. Hearing snickers amongst the ranks when troops learned the name of their commanding officer because the story was so freaking popular. After all, he... I'm kind of amazed that um, there wasn't an accidental death. Seriously. Uh, I mean, like, because his career, like, hinges on demanding respect. And he has earned that respect and 
pretty much his entire family before him yeah and those that followed him i mean it was a very respectable family very military so yeah, yeah. you'd I, almost have to change your name right but it is it is a really it's such good a good name. name it is now in case you're wondering about ichabod's object of affection the inspiration for the character of katrina van tassel was based on an actual young woman by that name. Mm -hmm. Irving had stayed with her family for a short time, only this time he actually asked permission to use her name and loosely base the character on her. I don't know if it's just that they had, it was the closeness that made him actually ask permission. I expect he was flirting. Probably, probably, and probably slightly terrified of the real Ichabod. Uh, So, America's first ghost story bradley says has endured because it accommodates the changing american imagination it inspires people because it reminds them that there are still some american mysteries some half-truths that may never be fully known and that's the whole point she says the legend itself lends itself to any interpretation and it continues to fascinate and terrify us in the best possible ways so while the occurrences of the legend of Sleepy Hollow are somewhat fictitious, every part of it is based loosely on a real person and a real entity that has existed throughout time and lore. And I think that's pretty fun. Um, and I think it's a really good story. I just think it's a uh, an underrated piece of american literature uh that yeah i feel like it has such because it's so visibly halloween themed that um i think that kind of distracts from the fact that it is a story like a fully realized right right well and it's a short story too i mean the fact that he managed to create this giant legend within a short story is pretty wonderful too. Um, it's, I just think it's kind of delightful and I like knowing, uh, and I like that there's an actual, there's one image, there's one existing image of the real Ichabod crane. Um, there's a lot of artist oh, renderings there? of the legends and such. Um, I did drop Ichabod's photo in the uh, folder already if you wanted to take a peek. Um, and I would not fuck with him. Let's see. <laughs> uh, oh, huh. Right? He's very dis- just sternly military looking. He looks like a black-eyed kid, only old. Yeah. So, uh, So, yeah, that's the... Legend of Sleepy Hollow and the truths behind it. Wow. That is not Johnny Depp. No, no, it is not. Hmm. Wow, that was way more involved than I thought the story was. I mean, I knew that I knew that would there was loosely a Hessian soldier and I knew that Ichabod Crane was a name that was a real name, but I didn't, that, that's really interesting. I imagine Washington Irving must have been 
like really jealous of the actual Ichabod Crane. Maybe the, the girl right? in his book was like, oh, I want to be with Ichabod. And he was like, but, 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 I write. Right. I am a sensitive writer. Yeah, because he did Ichabod dirty. I mean. It was unnecessary. Yeah, it was. I mean, I it mean, was well his, done. The, yeah. It, Very it, well it done. I mean, those were all his words on how he described him. Like, just. <laughs> yeah. So. Irving, That's a lot. Cheeky little, cheeky little monkey. Indeed. So, um, I think that about brings us to the oh. weekly worst way, way to, to die. die. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not Lyme disease and a head cold. <laughs> oh, that might actually be the real answer. Um, what is yours? Mine is by the hand of anything headless. That's fair. Because I would rather be decapitated because that shit goes quick than be hunted Yeah, but down you're by alive something. for a little while after. Because your brain keeps yeah. working until the... Yeah. But I think it's only like 10 seconds. I gotta imagine that it... Can you... Yeah, just consider no. how long that is. I mean, yeah. I don't think... I think it's like two seconds. But um, consider how long of a time that is to know what's happened. It's long enough for me to say, oh, fuck, which is probably what would happen. Um, yeah. I just don't dig the thought of being chased down by something without a head. Because how do you kill it? I mean, you go for the heart, but if that thing can live without a head, what are you going to do? Like, it can function without a brain. We're not talking about that chicken that lived for 18 months. We're talking about, like, something that can drive up, like, ride a horse and do that. I mean, that shit is a ghost. So... That's true. I, there are... You don't use physical means to battle a something that is not incarnate. So I just need to like make a dress that's just coated in salt. <laughs> just like, can't, can't touch me. Well, I mean, that would also definitely shrivel the pumpkin head if you yes. dumped a uh-huh. great amount of salt on it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if you just give it its skull back. Like, did dude, nobody I'll, think of that? I don't know. I could, I can knit you something. I can crochet you a skull. Yeah. Like, I can make you look like anything. I'll paper mache. I could, you tell me what you want to look like. I'll make it work. There you like, go. I can make See? you a new one. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Puberty. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yep, that that is, I feel, one of the be-all, end-all worst ways to die. Yeah. Puberty. It's rough. Yeah. I think it got rougher. Well. I think it's harder. You used to get married. True. Mm. And, like, be a parent and run a household. Which nobody has any business doing at that age. Like, I don't... Nope. There's days where I wonder if I have any business doing it. The only thing <laughs> that wants to do that is your body, which is yeah. fully ready to just go ahead and do that and then be fine afterwards. Yeah. Seriously. Like, at that age, you bounce back super quick. Yeah. But you also are a kid yourself and should not be popping them up. 
The brain is not fully developed. The brain is not yet fully developed. I I, I know. Yeah. And the, the hormones. Oh, my God. Pregnancy hormones are no joke either. I can't imagine puberty and pregnancy hormones. I wonder, though, together. if they would just kind of cancel each other out. They might. So you might have be like nine months apiece. Completely <laughs> sane. <laughs> Although I have, I have watched 16 and Pregnant and I can confirm that is not the case. I I had a friend who was severely bipolar and got pregnant and it managed the pregnancy, the chemistry and all the things mm-hmm. going on with the pregnancy, like essentially cured the bipolar, like completely changed. Oh, yeah, it, that happens. Just, it happens just, with some chronic illnesses, too. Bodies are amazing, but puberty so sucks. So weird. Yes. Sucks. We should support our pubescence much more than we do. My goodness. Yes. Yeah, we're not very good at that. No. And no. They, they have it more difficult now, I think. I think. The internet uh, certainly the does internet. not make things easier. No. And, yeah, just the constant social media. And I... I don't know if it's a matter of not discussing it or or what, but I don't recall knowing on anyone in middle school that wanted to unalive themselves. Um, oh, I did. High school, but it just, it's just so heavy. It's so heavy on kids now, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Well, it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, being that age at any point in time comes with its own set of circumstances. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I, don't yeah, know, I wouldn't want to go through it again. <laughs> no, no, I am really feeling my late thirties. Yep. It's fine. Oh my goodness. Indeed. Well. Shall we uh, wrap it up? Yeah, hey. Yeah. Do you guys want to be spooky internet friends? No, because I'm on the wrong page. (laughs) I'm on the right page, but the words aren't there, so I'm winging it. I don't know what happened to them. (coughs) (laughs) I don't know either. I don't, I don't um, know of whence they came. But hey, if you want to be spooky internet friends, yeah, you can find us on all of all of the social medias that we have cursed tonight. Uh, <laughs> we are Bones and Bobbins on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Instagram, on Tiki Talks, even though we haven't talked any ticks yet. Um, although I caught one. <laughs> um... Yeah, or you can just find us at bonesandbobbins.com. It's true. Your generous support helps other morbid souls find us, so thank you. The only thing I can think of is the serious craft sending. You gotta rate and review us. Yeah, rate and review that shit. Go now. Yes. Just off. Give me... Do it. Five stars. Yeah. We'll wait. Go ahead. Do the thing. We've worked real hard tonight. Natalie doesn't feel well. I talked forever. 
Like, please, the things we do for you. And it helps other morbid souls find us, and we need all of the morbid souls. We can't tell you why yet, but we need them all. It's true, we, we do need them all. Oh, that is weird. It completely disappeared because I, because I definitely put the ending into it. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's fine. <laughs> we know our stuff. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Uh-uh. Lock your doors. And don't run with scissors. <laughs> and check for ticks if you've been outside, just saying. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content. <laughs>